Welcome to the fourth edition of Poppies from a Tray, the better late than never edition. Apologies for the delay, but you know who it is with life, the universe and everything. We're making up for lost time with a fascinating conversation from a few years back with the mighty Jenny Marotta, drummer to rock royalty including Paul McCartney, Kate Bush, Cheryl Crow, Tim Finn, Hall and Oates, David Sylvie and Robert Fripp, amongst many others. Perhaps he's best known for his work on Peter Gabriel's early records, music that he's brought back to life with his group The Security Project, which, at the time of our conversation, still featured Brian Cummins as singer prior to the arrival of Happy Roads in the band. We started by talking about how it all came together in the first place. This was kind of the brainstorm of a guy named Scott Weinberger. Right. Um, lives in New York. Fan. Big Gabriel fan. Yeah. And um, he had contacted me. I, I, it was, I don't know, two or three years ago. Um, because it was the 30th anniversary of the release of the security right. record. Yeah. So he thought it would be cool to try to put something together to, to commemorate the record and you yeah. know play the music so I didn't say no but I, w- I didn't say yes yeah I wasn't really that interested in it and he, he was persistent and uh, and then he got he had contacted Trey who I've worked with before yeah and um, and he said well Trey's interested in doing it if you do it he'll do it so that sort of changed my my mind about doing it yeah because you know, Trey, any chance I can get to play with Trey is, is a great thing. Yeah. So, um, and then it just kind of, you know, fell, came together. The rest, you know, little by little. And we, we, we had uh, a different singer, different guitar player. Yeah. Um, Scott knew David Janison, who's the keyboard player. He, their, their friend. And um, David seemed game to do it. Uh, doesn't have the same kind of background that Trey and I do. But, yeah. But he, he's great. And uh, so we, 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 it came together. Uh, it came together pretty well. Yeah. Uh, we had a singer named Josh Gleason initially, who was great. Um, but between his family and his job, he couldn't really do much. Right, yeah. He, he was very limited. And, you know, we once we got into it, we started to, like, we started to enjoy it. Yeah. So. For instance, we've been out now for I don't know four or five weeks. He he, he couldn't do anything yeah, sure. even close to this. Yeah. So, so we went looking for a singer, and we found Brian Cummins, who yeah. happens to live in Liverpool. We had a, f- a friend of mine named Fuzby Morris who was playing guitar with us initially. Yeah. He lives in Los Angeles. He he released his own record. He's busy. He got busy doing other things. So, we um. Trey went looking for guitar players in Seattle where he yeah. lives and he found Michael Goetze, Um who he actually approached Michael to ask him if he knew someone who right. might want to do it and okay. Michael actually said he would he yeah. wanted to do it. So, yeah. so that brought the band together. Yeah. I've been listening to the to the, the four records the last couple of weeks. I mean it must be great fun to play the, that. The stuff. four Gabriel records. Yeah, yeah. The one, two, three and four. Yeah. Yeah. It must be great fun to play those. I mean, it, they, it's they, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's almost more fun now than it was back yeah. then. Yeah. But because um, I really appreciate it, I appreciate it more now. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, the music. First of all, ironically, the first record is one of my favorite records. Right. Yeah. It's the one I had nothing to do yeah. with. But um, there's such great songs on that first record. Yeah. And we do more of on the Burgermeister humdrum. Yeah. 
There's so many great songs yeah, on sure. that record. It's yeah. very different than the others. Yeah. Each record, of course, yeah. was yeah. very different. Absolutely, yeah. And then uh, it's interesting. Peter was able to change what he did pretty dramatically from record yeah. to record. I think once you have a record like so, it in sort of changes everything. Yeah. Although I don't think he, I don't think he ever tried to re recreate so. It, it it I don't know. It's a funny thing. It, yeah, I th uh, I think the security record was a groundbreaking record. Absolutely, I know yeah. that for sure. That record went for the year and a half after that record was out. Every every studio I went into, anywhere I went, they always. Somebody asked me if I would stick around after the session yeah. and talk to everybody about how that record right. was made. That was a groundbreaking record, although I don't think anybody thought it was going to be at the time. Yeah. So, but that was an amazing, amazing record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you sort of got involved with it around the, the second album, and that was, from our perspective in this country, kind of an American, his, his American record. American like. rock record. Yeah. Well... He'd done the first record, and then the the guys, a lot of the guys that were on that record, they did like a promotional tour with yeah, him. Yeah, A short promotional tour. Then they all, you know, they they all had other things. Yeah, well, sure. not all of them. Tony Levin and uh, Larry Fast, they, 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 they stayed with yeah. me. They continued to work with Peter. And so he was looking to replace the drummer, the guitar player. Um, and... So they, that's when I got involved. Yeah, yeah. And I just started touring with them. It's around 1977. So I started doing. I did the, the major touring on for that record, after they did their, promotional. Yeah. Tour. Was that sort of his thinking as you went into the second record that, because Genesis were, you know, very English, massively English group. Yeah. Was that his sort of thinking that he wanted to kind of break away and? I really don't know. Yeah. I never sat down, and talked to Peter about what he was thinking you know he was yeah. just he was doing the thinking and he was doing what he wanted to do yeah yeah i think he was breaking away from a lot of things genesis yeah you know and that their their you know approach and yeah i think you know i think he was just searching for what yeah. he, and he's he's such a interesting guy goes way beyond music i think in some ways you think of, I think of the records with him like films. You don't make the same film yeah, over and over again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You make you make a film and you, then you, you make another film. <coughs> it could be totally different, you know, totally different subject, totally different time period. Yeah. I think Peter, my guess is he kind of looks at it like that. And Robert Fripp was involved as well, which is... Robert you know, was involved in the second too. record. I think yeah. he, he produced the yeah. second record. Yeah. That's when I met Robert. And and we you know we we started collaborating yeah. on things outside of Peter. I played on Robert's The Exposure record. Yeah, that's a great record. Yeah, Robert's great. We became friends. Yeah, and we, we started working together quite quite extensively after that. And Trey too. Yeah, Peter's obviously got his own ideas of what he was doing and where he was going. I mean, Robert Fripp, from the outside, always seems to have his very clear ideas of of what's going. How did those two sort of? work together and, and, and with all the other musicians like yourself how did it how did it all fit I never really noticed any any issues mm. I have to be very honest with you I didn't really know who Robert Fripp was right 
But I didn't really know who Peter Gabriel was. Right, okay. And I didn't know who Genesis was. You know, I was in a band called Orleans, an American band. We had, you know, we we're kind of like the Doobie Brothers or right. Little Feet. And I was mostly, my background was, you know, R&B and black music yeah. was what I grew up listening to. I didn't know anything about these people. And I just had started to hear stories about Robert Fripp. So when we went to Holland to start recording the record, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. know how long I would last. Ironically, Robert took a real liking to me. So it's funny. Yeah. After the very first session, you know, he had this reputation like, oh, yeah. it's Robert Fripp, yeah, you know. Yeah. Don't be careful what you say and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm not a be careful what you say kind of person. <laughs> but... Um, after the first session, he said, "He said to me, Jerry, I'd like you to stay after the when after the session. Would you stay?" And I just thought, "Okay, I I made it through one day, and I'm out of. <laughs> he's he's gonna give me the boot." Yeah. So I waited after, and I went to the control room. He was in the control room. He said, "Come on in, sit down, sit there." I sat down, and they were setting up two Revox tape machines, and I sat down. And he, they ran the machine, and he started doing the what people have uh, call frippertronics. Yeah, yeah. So he did one of those for I don't know twenty, thirty minutes, and and I think, excuse me, I I think that was his way of saying, I like you. I you're yeah, you're you're yeah. in. You know, he shared that with me. Yeah. He didn't share that with anybody else. Yeah. And so, and then of course, we worked. We worked together on various things after that. If you, I mean, going back to that, that record, there's lots of different kinds of things on it, but the, the track Exposure, and that, I mean, there's some great playing on that, but it's such a different kind of thing. That was a kind of a pointer of where he was going to go next, I think, wasn't it? There's a version of it on Peter's record, yeah, and there's a version of it on... On Robert's record. So the basis of it must have been Robert's, yeah, like a Frippertronics yeah, yeah. thing. Otherwise, I don't think that he, Robert could use something. So he must have co-written it with Peter. Or Peter wrote lyrics to it. I just remember when we went into the studio with P Robert. I got, I got to the studio and uh, to, work, to work on his record. And he just said, well, just go in and play anything. Yeah. Play any drum beat you want. Yeah. I think he might have run something. Might have right. been exposure. Like he yeah. ran... Something he had already recorded. He said, just go in and either play anything or he said, go start playing anything. And he started playing along with. That was fun. That wasn't, the, you know, I was not used to, you know, working like that. Yeah. So it was an eye opener, but it was, it was interesting. And, yeah. And, and I enjoyed it. You know, I, Peter especially, Robert to some degree, but more so Peter because I worked longer with Peter. Yeah. Had a big influence on me. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Very big influence on the way I, I approach music, the way I hear it, the way I make it. But Peter's background is very, he's very much into the R&B thing, yeah. which it's funny. That's, I think, what you hear a lot of on So. Because there had always been talk about him doing a cover record yeah, of, yeah. of, of, of R&B covers. Yeah. And I think he probably just decided, you know, I'm going to just try writing in that style yeah, yeah. and see. To see whether or not, you know, what I come up with. And that was really great. So, I mean, he certainly, you know, he, he certainly did well with it. Like those songs, Big Time and Sledgehammer. Yeah. You know, that they have that kind of serious sort of black influence. 
but American black. Yeah. Soul, Motown, you know, as opposed to world beat, you know, African yeah, yeah, kind sure. of black. But ironically, I took I I took to the overall approach pretty mm. pretty well, which you you know got got a lot more of that on the security record. You know, I I I I was very taken by that, mm. and I I think I did I I was I was quite good at adapting to that because unlike Peter, I'm not really a drummer. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not really a drummer. Drummer. Yeah. I taught myself how to play. Right. I'm not. Flash, you know, you don't hear yeah, a lot of flashy. Yeah. I, I didn't, I, I don't like that fusion, you know, you know, yeah. instrumental, jazzy, you know, proggy, you know. Yeah. I didn't particularly like that kind of thing. I didn't play like that. My thing was much more sort of visceral and it was yeah. more pocket oriented, repetitive. I think that's what Robert liked about mm. me and I think that's what Peter liked about me. Yeah. Didn't, Peter didn't, I don't think he loves drums. Just like I don't think he loves guitar, yeah. Which is why we went through a few guitar players, right. and David Rhodes worked really well because he had an unconventional approach yeah, sure. to playing the guitar. And when you listen to some of that stuff, like on um, on Security, there, you know, Michael, the guitar player, had to learn a lot of that stuff, and it was complicated. Yeah. Because they're not just straight ahead guitar. It's not straight ahead guitar playing. Yeah. Not like the. The second, the first or second record, yeah. or even maybe the third record. Although by the third record, it was already starting to to mutate yeah. the one that uh, Steve Lillywhite did. But I, 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 I was very comfortable trying to um, adapt my yeah. style yeah. to to approach things yeah. differently. I mean, he's obviously you know he's gone through been fascinated by rhythm, um, and that you know that that must give you plenty of scope. When you came to play on the records, yeah, and of course, he would go listening to radio. Things yeah. were very different back then. Yeah, there was an internet. Yeah, but he would he was he would seek out um, interesting music, yeah. world music. I think a lot of it tended to be from Africa. Yeah, and uh, maybe even at times here. You could tune in yeah, radio yeah. from Africa. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of French influence as well because obviously French colonies in Africa. Yeah, and I think you got a lot of French radio. Stations. I think. I mean, I don't never ask them about it, but I think, yeah. I think he would come in with things that he had yeah. recorded off the radio. Yeah, as ideas, templates. I don't. I think it's pretty safe to say when you listen to what he's done. You don't ever hear that he's lifted anything directly yeah. from anywhere. Yeah. Even though he says he says the word steel, I stole yeah, this. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard him say that. Yeah. But you know, some people said he doesn't believe in borrowing. He said, No, I've just stolen this. <laughs> but he can say that because he didn't really steal anything. Yeah. I mean he's taken whatever it is and he's made it his own. It it seems that there was a there was a big sort of change. Perhaps the early records were more sort of melody. That was where he started and then from the third record on, I think he built it up from rhythm, the rhythm yeah. tracks rather. Well, rather then he had, I think he had he got his hands on a drum machine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he started like playing around with drum machines. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, that that yeah that that's when things really started to change. How does that work for you when when somebody comes up and they've got this drum machine and you know? Well, back then it was a little different. Mm. It's going around now. It's just. 
overwhelming. I mean, people have the people will have demos that they've made with so much percussion yeah, drums on yeah. it. You can't even I can't even think straight. Yeah. It's in some ways it's worked well, in some ways it's 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 hindered the process. Yeah. In Peter's case, technology I think has ultimately maybe hurt him a little bit. Mm. Overwhelmed by technology. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when we were working, we didn't have much. Yeah. And we were really slugging it out together yeah. with a security record. Um which I think in many ways might be his most brilliant creative mm. record. Yeah. You know, there was just enough technology, yeah, but not too yeah, much. Yeah. And now I think he got overwhelmed with technology. Yeah. Now there's thousands of samples and thousands of loops. And I mean, you can do so much. It's just, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, I think those two records, three and four, as we call them over here. Yeah. I mean, they're just such great records. Yeah. And, and they came together in two, I guess it was two years, wasn't it, that they, they were put together. I mean, they would take 10 years to make a record. Yeah. And you, those two records, just such good records in such a short space of time. Yeah. Didn't have, you know, didn't have as many options. Mm. Yeah, I think I, you know, my friend, my friend Chad Blake, he mixed one of Peter's records. Mm. I don't know what I can't remember which yeah. one, but he said uh, one of the later ones, "Us" or "Up" or you yeah. know, yeah. and he said they bring at Real World they bring a, a tr uh, one of Peter's songs, and it have like a hundred and twenty tracks on it. So Chad, he he would work on it and he would trim it down. And there'd be like 60, 65 tracks. And he said he got it really sounding good. And Peter would come in and listen to it. And and I'm pretty sure that Chad said this to me. Peter said, oh, that's amazing. That's the best I've ever heard that sound. And then he'd go away. And the next day, he'd come back and he'd have 30 more tracks. <laughs> 12 hi-hat tracks. Yeah. Which, to me, sounded like, at that point, he had guys in rooms... You know, like with hoodies on, yeah, like yeah. guys that were in rooms that he was giving the music to, and they were just exploring, experimenting. Yeah. So, because to put thirty more tracks on top of something overnight is hard to do yeah. by yourself. Yeah. So, um, I think that that's the kind of thing that really yeah. maybe sort of worked against against yeah. him to some degree. That 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 third record you mentioned, Steve Lillywhite. The, the big thing was was no symbols. It was no. Was it that one? No. It was the security record? I think on, on three on the third one as well. He was he was doing that. Yeah. Um, that must be a that must be a challenge. Yeah, that was a challenge. It was, you know, it certainly made for you know developing a, you know, adapting my style. Yeah. It was a bit of a pain at first, but in yeah. the end, it yeah. was. I think I remember, I forget which, if it's the third or the fourth record, I think it was the fourth the security record, where it was really no symbols. Yeah, yeah. That the, the, the idea was really, uh, as I remember it, like we were, were they were experimenting with room sounds. Yeah. And they yeah. would get sent these great sounds on the drums, and then you get a cymbal, and it's... at the townhouse, I think. No, this yeah. was at... Um, this was at um, oh, right. Ashcombe House, right? Yeah, because Peter had converted or like an old barn into a yeah. little studio. Yeah. It, it, they, they would get the drums to sound great, but then you hit a cymbal, 
and sounded awful. Yeah. So the idea was, don't hit any cymbals, and then eventually we'll overdub the cymbals. That's how I remember right. it. And so, you know, but but I think in the end, it, the music sound sounded so interesting and great. Yeah. And, and I don't believe anybody thought there were cymbals missing. Yeah. Cymbal crashes. Yeah, yeah. You know, who says you have to crash a cymbal, you know, <laughs> going into a section? Yeah. So that's the way I remember yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things. It was, um, that was such a great idea, but it was a kind of a mistake in a way. Yeah. Just like the drum sound on Intruder, that, um, it's funny because you hear three stories yeah. about that sound. Yeah. Phil, Peter, and Hugh Padgham. And I kind of like Hugh Padgham's story. <laughs> I believe it's the one where he had, somebody had mispatched something. Yeah. And Phil was in the studio hitting the snare drum, and Peter walked into the control room and heard what it sounded like. And to some people, it might that might have sounded awful. Yeah. But Peter thought it sounded great. Yeah. And I think that's Hugh's, Hugh's story is it was it was a total yeah yeah so but that's Sorry, a good excuse me. yeah that's fine yeah. that kind of stuff happens quite a bit yeah but the, the playing on that that third record i think is great I mean, <coughs> on family snapshot that moment when the drums come in yeah i mean that's like a, <coughs> a heart-stopping moment isn't it i mean it's yeah. so dramatic family snapshot that's an interesting one that 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 we had been we had been struggling with mm. that and there were elements, uh, you know, more and more. And Peter was getting into this thing where he wasn't really completely writing a song. Yeah. So he had these, these he had these three elements. I, w I want to say three. Um, and we were playing and playing. It wasn't coming together. And I think, probably just because of the way I am, I, I finally got tired playing it over and over again, and yeah. I. I said, "Listen, this is what we this is what we should do. This is the way we should arrange this, which we did, and we tried it, and it was good. And that's the arrangement. Yeah. So, <clears throat> in that particular case with Family Snapshot, I had a lot to do with the actual arrangement of right. the individual pieces. Yeah. It's such an effective. I mean, I think that's one of his one of his greatest songs. I think. You think? Yeah." It's such a great record. Yeah. We haven't been playing it and mm. we're gonna learn it. That that's right. that's in that's on now now as we're developing. I didn't really wanna learn it at first. Yeah. But now I've I it's it's one of the epics. Yeah. I call them the epics, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's Lay Your Hands on Me, San Jacinto, Rhythm of the Heat, yeah. Family in the Fishing Net, Wallflower. Um do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're yeah, unusual. Yeah. And 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 it was it was funny because as they're starting to come together, this tour, I I asked everybody if we could learn "Lay Your Hands on Me," mm. and it's turned out to be, like it's like a high point in the show. Yeah. And <clears throat> once we started to get a handle on that, it, it I realized um, we need to do family fa family yeah. snapshot. Yeah, that needs to be in there. That's yeah. one of Peter's classic songs. Yeah, absolutely. You know we do. Um, we've been doing White Shadow and some of these are not one of us some of the other songs yeah. they're very good but they're not 
Like they're not mm. classic songs. But those those are and yeah. as is family snapshot. Yeah. Well, I mentioned that one of us. I mean, the, 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 again, the drumming on that. It just sounds like um, a call to a, a kind of a a black shirt rally or something, doesn't it? I mean, it really conjures up what he's what he's talking about in that song. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind yeah. of a. It's a funny thing. Um, yeah, just pounding. Yeah, you know, sort of. I don't know. Yeah. We just jammed those. Yeah, yeah. We jammed those songs in and tried to find a groove for them. Sometimes they worked. Sometimes they didn't work. It's funny. One of the things I loved about Peter and I learned from him when we were working on the second record with Robert. I think it was the second mm. record. We were in Holland and we we worked up a song, and it kind of sounded like a hit record. Like a and we we were playing it like that and mm. we were just working it working it and we just made it like it sounded yeah. really slick and and so we went into the control room and we listened to it. Peter listened to it and he said, "Okay, now that's how we're not going to do this song. <laughs> like that's exactly now that we've got that out of our system. Let's now try to find some other way to play the song because I don't want I don't want to do the song. Mm. I don't want to record the song like that. And uh, that was very cool. I like that. Yeah." I don't think the record company would have been happy yeah. to know that, but I don't think they ever heard the song. I mean, he did have a hit on the the next one, the third one, Games Without Frontiers. Right. And that, again, is such a strange rhythm track to it. I mean, it's very effective, but yeah. very unusual. Yeah. And again... It's, it, it, it's an odd drum beat. Mm. Um, I don't know what we what's the, what's the, how it started, but it's a, you'll, I play it exactly the way I played yeah. it on the record. Yeah. It's kind of a, an unusual, simple but funky, yeah. little drum groove that I that I ripped off from Bernard Purdy, right? A, a thing that he would he would do a lot, and um, on a lot of R and B records. But yeah. I just I use it all the time. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Bernard. <laughs> uh, I love him, and he's an idol of mine. Yeah. yeah and sure. I've told him many times, and yeah. I thank him for that. But it just worked. It yeah. just worked. And then, then moving into that, that fourth, I mean, that those third and fourth records are, are kind of a piece that a bit claustrophobic, aren't they? You know, he's it, it, not. He doesn't seem worried about making people feel uncomfortable while you listen to his records. He does or doesn't. He doesn't. No, no it, of course not. Yeah. Like normal life. Yeah. Or Milgram's thirty-seven. Yeah. No, those were meant to be, meant to make you feel uncomfortable. It's not a thing that people do. I mean, it's the same as ignoring the hit record. It's not the kind of thing that people normally do in this yeah. business, is it? <laughs> well, he ignored the hit record until he decided he didn't want to ignore the hit record yeah. any longer. Yeah. And that was so. That's a little disappointing for me because we had come off of doing Security, yeah. which I think was a brilliant record. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In a different way than so. And... I was thinking that we were now going to, you know, because we'd been playing for years together. Yeah, we were sure. developing. Yeah. So, so just went off in a completely different direction. Yeah. To me, I'm happy for Peter that, you know, he made a lot of money from that. But it's a shame mm. because there are versions like, for instance, I remember at the time, I, my, the big issue with me and so was I was, we were, there was a time period for doing so. And then there, I was going to also do a record with Paul McCartney. Right. 
<coughs> and at the last minute, Peter changed his thing, and it was at the same time as Paul's yeah, record. Yeah. I couldn't really back out of Paul's record. Yeah. Paul's record was just me, Paul, and Eric Stewart. Yeah. yeah That's the foundation that record, yeah. of that record. Yeah. And Hugh Padgham was the yeah. producer engineer. <coughs> I really wasn't prepared to blow Paul off. And uh, so I couldn't be there for all for all of so. Yeah. I would go from here, which is Sussex is where we recorded yeah. Paul's record. Okay. I would drive to to Bath. Yeah. To um to to work on whatever I could. Yeah. But we recorded a version of Big Time, I think. Mm. And it sounded kinda like you know, security the next. Yeah, right. And that didn't that didn't make it to yeah. to the yeah. record, which is unfortunate. Yeah, because it was so heavy. Mm. I remember I had goosebumps for like yeah. a day, and uh, but you know that wasn't exactly going to be the global, t- t- you know, no. twenty sell twenty five yeah. million yeah. records worldwide. That version wasn't going to do that. Yeah, I don't know what Peter's side of that story is why or whether he would do it if he had it to do over yeah. again but he, whether he what he would do whether yeah. he would do that again or not I don't know I was disappointed yeah, yeah. and then uh, and I was of course disappointed to not carry on with Peter mm. after that yeah but things had to change then yeah I mean uh, yeah things had things just had to change and I guess it was more difficult <coughs> because it, it just took longer and longer and longer and longer to make the records, which, you know... Yeah. You live in another country, it must be tough to try and make that work anyway. No, it didn't matter to hmm. us. I was I was working with so many other people right. at that point. I was working with Hall and & Oates. And yeah, yeah. Working on other people's records, Elvis Costello. Um, I was just, just doing a Robbie Robertson. Yeah. I, yeah. I just did what I did. I mean, to go out on a limb personally, I, I it occurred to me thinking about Peter and and this situation with his records and music and writing. I'm sure you've heard the story about so, where Dan Lanois nailed the door shut to the mm. studio yeah, yeah. and told him he wouldn't let him out until he wrote some lyrics. Nine months into the record, yeah, yeah. Peter is brilliant at writing songs. I don't think it's something that he loves to yeah, do day yeah. in and day out. Right. Not like someone like Todd Rundgren, who's yeah. brilliant at writing songs, and you can't stop him from right. writing a song. The guy, yeah. he'll he made a record on his laptop. He'll make a record on anything. Yeah. The guy is just he's in, it's he's just that's all he does. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, I think he doesn't. Given, left to his own devices, he doesn't choose to write yeah. songs. When he's forced to write them, he writes brilliant songs. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. I hope that's he's got other things. Uh, that's to, what I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just you know he's just got a lot of other things. Yeah. that he, he that he wants to do. Yeah. <coughs> I guess you can't blame him. No, I guess not. So, but, and I think that's why it takes him so yeah so long to go around to making it. Right yeah, now. yeah. That fourth record. I mean, just sort of finishing up on that. I mean, it, as you say. So many epics on that record, it was just great songwriting, but also fantastic playing and just the right amount of technology, as you say. Yeah, the Fairlight, I think that was the 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 Fairlight, you know. Um, uh, like for instance, on uh, 
lay your hands on me. There's the weird section. Mm. Boop, brrr, boop, yeah. boop, boop. Like that was just dropping a stone onto a, a piece of um, flagstone. Right. And the stone was... So yeah. once you got it into the computer and you yeah. could manipulate it yeah. and then play it on a keyboard, that was not a sound. That was not a synthesizer sound. Yeah. That was not a keyboard sound. That was a very unusual thing. I mean, you never, yeah. nobody had heard that. Yeah. And in fact, I think... I think back then there were only a few Fairlights had been yeah, yeah, made. The first, didn't and yeah. I think the BBC had one. Yeah. I think they weren't thinking of them as musical instruments. They were thinking of them more like as sound design yeah. for television, sound effects yeah. and stuff. Science fiction stuff. So yeah. Peter got his hands on, on one and and that, that had a big um, yeah. impact on on the security. Yeah. If you sort of strip away the, the technology, the playing, particularly yourself and, and Tony Levin, just creates such drama. Yeah. I mean, playing with Tony must, like playing with Trey, must be a, must be a great experience. Yeah, I mean, I love playing with Trey, and I mean Tony and I, you know, we we developed a, a, a style of playing together. Um, over the period of time, years yeah, yeah. of playing with Peter, and so that. My my, our our styles were all adapting to one another, yeah. which is really what 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 being in a band is all about. Yeah. It was like being in a band, although we weren't in a band. Yeah, yeah. So, and you made that that Iron Mountain record with with Tony as well, which is, I really like that record. That's a great record. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's in a cave that's not far from where we live. Right. Okay. With Steve Gorn, who's yeah. a, a flute band, yeah. sorry, flute player. Yeah. yeah, we did that in an over two day period. Yeah, and Chad Blake recorded that right. <coughs> that was all done live to two track yeah that was a very interesting record yeah. it's got such a nice atmosphere to it, it was a yeah feel wasn't it yeah yeah that was a lot of fun yeah you kind of think that, that Peter might have made records like that if he hadn't you know made so and you know it, it's that kind of yeah you know unusual um, textures and stuff except like, I don't yeah. think he'd ever make a record car, no. that was that was recorded in two days no it's sure. funny. I have a big residential recording studio uh, in upstate New York called yeah. Dreamland. Yeah. And and I've I I uh, but two or three years ago I I meant to I almost emailed Larry, Peter, Tony, David to say let's all can let's all get together here at Dreamland, which technologically was very much like Ashcombe House. Right. Yeah. Let's all let's just get here. Let's spend a week here, just together, playing music without all all the all you know the heavy technology. Yeah. What would that be like? I'm gonna actually do that. I think this year I'll do yeah. that. I I don't know what Peter whether he'll want to do it or not, <laughs> but but I I I think it would be so great. I miss playing with those guys. Yeah. yeah. And it would be fun to just do that. Even if nothing ever came out of it, just to get together yeah. for a week to hang yeah. out together and just and just hang out, yeah. and spend that time together. Yeah, I remember those shows over here. In, I think it was eighty and eighty two. I mean, they were they were great shows. Yeah. Even even at, at the big sort of arena places, it worked really well there. Yeah. You know, but the, sure. the theatre gigs were amazing. The nineteen eighty ones. Yeah. They, they were amazing. The third the third album. Yeah. Like uh, I don't know where did we play Hammersmith Odeon. Odeon, Hammersmith Odeon, yeah, those sorts of places. Sure. Yeah. 
Oh, and the right. Apollo in yeah, Glasgow, yeah, you know, Manchester with, Apollo as well. with the, um, I think the, the the one in Glasgow had like a th a third balcony. Yeah, yeah. That that when the when they started rocking, you could see the balcony yeah. started moving. Yeah. And I think the piano fell off the stage. <laughs> he had a, a CP seventy Yamaha piano, yeah. and the the stage there was very high. Mm. Very, yeah. you wouldn't want to fall yeah, off that stage. I've been there. I think yeah, the piano once, yeah. fell off the stage. Yeah. That'd be good 10 feet high. Yeah. That's it for Poppy's from a try this time. Don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes so that you never miss another edition. You can also follow us on Twitter at FromTray. This edition was put together by Dave Bowler, intro music by Stan Saltzman Big Band, courtesy of Stony Lane Records. <laughs>